This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. We're still running feeders this first year. Um, I didn't really want to. Year two, definitely year three, I wanted to start incorporating food plots into it. But man, the, the drought that we have right now kind of dictated that for me this year. It's it If we tried to plant anything right now, we wouldn't have any success with it. It's it's far too dry. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. Born with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. All right, everybody, welcome back. Another Fall Obsession podcast episode. Our Fall Obsession podcast is driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I will talk more about what they do over there at the close of our podcast episode. I'm Sam with Fall Obsession. I'm your podcast host. Thank you guys for tuning in. On here with our Fall Obsession Vice President, Drew Tordick. What's happening, Drew? Hey, Sam, how are you? Good, man. Been a been a minute since we had you on here. Good to good to get back on here and catch up on some some hunting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's been a little while now. I think yeah, it was what episode one hundred? The three of us sat down. So. Has it been since episode one hundred? Was that the last one? I think I guess, that might have been it. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Now that I think about it, man, we've been we've been flying through it. Uh, I actually this morning I was uh, driving home from work, and I just picked a random episode actually from like I kind of wanted to listen to an old one like when we first started the podcast you know so I don't, I don't remember the number but it was you know umpteen episode and you know it, I mean similar feel but you could tell it was it, it was in those early days it was a little little different on the on the audio and everything and uh man I just got to thinking it's like holy cow we've been we've been doing this for not for a long time, but for a little bit now, you know, over, over 110 episodes online is pretty cool. So. Yeah. 
yeah, it's been what, over two years now. So it's it's been something that's been pretty awesome to see from where we started to where it's at now and some of the guests that we've had on in the past. So. Yeah, and I know I know we've recapped a lot of that in, in specific episodes, episode 100 being one of them, uh, kind of a milestone episode that we did there. But, uh, you know, listeners can go back and – I encourage you guys to scroll through, go back and, and listen to some of those. I, I I have a fairly good memory of most of them, but even even now and then I catch myself going back and looking at all of them and be like, oh yeah, that was a, I forgot about that one. That was a pretty good one. So we got some good ones tucked back in there. If you guys are a new listener, I encourage you guys to maybe scroll down a little bit in uh, in your episode library there and, and see what else catches your eye because we got a lot of cool topics that we've covered. So kind of catching up and everything um man it's 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 been a little bit since uh like you said since we were on here and uh what's uh what's going on up in minnesota because you got your farm up there and everything that you've you've been working with and we hadn't heard anything about it in a while so what you got going on up there man uh so i've started to record some video uh we kind of got got a late start up here uh right at the tail end of the year when we were starting to get focused on shed hunting. We had a huge storm come through, uh, dumped a ton of snow or a ton of snow in the North Met or North Minnesota. Um, especially where we're at, uh, sort of in the, in the mid middle part of the state. Um, I mean, there was drifts that were at the top of the red willow trees that are, I mean, that's 12 feet tall. Um, so having 12 foot snow drifts in the middle of where you hunt and where there's normally pretty good bedding area is really tough on the, the herd and the population. Uh, so they had actually kind of all bunched up in these pine trees up there. And when I was out shed hunting, we bumped into this spot where there was probably a couple hundred deer or more had bedded in this little 60 acre plot overnight. And you could tell like it was all fresh. It had snowed the night before. And it was just cool to see that many deer numbers in one area. Um, but it made it real impossible to do any shed hunting or any shed hunting videos, kind of put the delay on all the projects to get started. And, yeah, you know, now, we had actually quite a few storms come through. Uh, we had a tornado actually come through and it missed our hunting property, but it hit a bunch of my family's land and it really tore up a bunch of buildings and it ruined some really good bedding habitat for the deer. So I think it's going to be kind of a crapshoot this fall as far as what things are doing um, in that area specifically. Things are going to be moving around into different areas and pushed out of different areas than they normally would be bedded up. Um, you know, one of the woods that pretty much got demolished and got destroyed had very little or no hunting pressure on it before. And so it would be interesting to see what happens to all those deer and where they end up. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy how just Mother Nature can can change things like that so far out of our control and yet affects us a lot season to season. So holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, and then as far as, you know, planting food plots or anything like that goes uh, – Last year, we'd gone through and tilled up the ground and planted a bunch of food plots, and we had that drought issue. Uh, and so none of this, well, I don't want to say none, but a very low percentage of what we planted actually was worth anything by the time hunting season came around. Um, what really did survive really well, though, was all the native grasses, even the ones that had been tilled up, just put down those deep roots and were able to outweather that drought. Um, so much so that we don't really have any food plots tilled up right now. Uh, it's more or less natural or back to the natural CRP. It just kind of took back over. Huh. Um, and I haven't heard any real discussion as to whether that's something that we're going to plant again this year or not. Uh, you know, we might try and plant something a little later in the fall. 
uh, do some of that early winter plot, um, put in some fresh brassicas sort of right towards the end of the fall. But, you know, this year I think we're really going to focus on putting up some new stands, some new stand sites, um, especially for bow season. Uh, and then we'll be out there uh, clearing shooting lanes this year, I think is a big, big focus because those red willows, especially Minnesota and especially where it's wet, they take over. And, you know, even if you get your, your sand 12 to 15 feet off the ground and now you're dealing with 12 foot canopy, it's tough to see anything really moving through it. So yeah, you can clear out some air, open things up. Yeah, that was going to be my question is kind of how that affected your stands. Cause I know, I know we did an episode a while back or probably man, I don't know, maybe even close to or a little later this time last year, kind of talking about some food plots and stuff. I think the episode's actually called Food Plots around the 70 episode number mark, somewhere in there. Um, and you were talking about, you know, just some of your planning strategies and, and how that came into effect with where you place your stands and stuff like that. So with CRP coming up, I imagine that, that changes changes some of that for sure. So It, it changes things quite a bit. Um yeah, it was really, I was so excited about last fall uh, and the work that we put in with those food plots and sort of that multi-row planting that we had talked about as far as putting that clover and that early season feed right next to sort of some bow stands. And then the further out you go is sort of more into that late season where we're using shotguns and muzzle loaders and being able to really sort of reach out to the further ends of the food plots. But, you know, with that drought, it was just so disappointing that none of it came to fruition. Um, I spent a little bit of time up there hunting, but not nearly the amount that I think I would have had those come in the way that they should have. Um, I also spent far more time elk hunting last fall than I ever planned to. Um, wish I would have gotten one, but that's that's part of hunting, right? Yeah, p- part of it, man. I mean, yeah, you you kind of, I don't know, kind of, you, you got to give and take. Like, you, I know I'm in that boat, and I always seem to default back to home, but... You know, I, I want to, there's so many trips and opportunities that are out there that I'd love to take advantage of, but it's like, man, I, I really want to focus some time and effort on this property we have down here, you know, and everything and, you know, try to, try to get it up and rolling. And I mean, only be in one place at a time. So kind of, you got to pick and choose. So to a point. Yeah. What are, what are your plans down there in Texas this year? Man. So again, and I'm sure if you're a, a, returning listener you've heard about it you know about it but in the event that you're not we have a series on our youtube channel called our texas dirt series which is myself and our our media production manager down here nick powell we are uh us and our dads basically are the only four managing a uh 807 acre uh hunting property down here in in texas north texas so season one's on our youtube channel you guys can go watch that we're filming season two right now um Man, we're kind of, y- y'all had a drought last year. We are very much into a drought this year. And, uh, it, you know, it. year one on the property was, you know, kind of kind of limited. We had a late start. We didn't get any food plots in. We were limited on our stand setups. We were still trying to learn the property, learn the deer. And I know almost in every episode of the series last year, I was at some point I was moving some trail cameras around. Almost every episode I was filming that and talking about moving cameras again, moving cameras again. And that was a strategy that had been given to me by a couple of folks that I talked to that manage their own places. They're like, man, if you're first couple years on a place, you just don't be afraid to move cameras around mid-year or during the season, you know, learn the deer, figure out where they travel and everything. And 
man, this property had never, it's never been hunted before us. So, or at least not within decades. So these deer don't know hunting pressure at all. Um, it's just, what we've learned is that honestly, the, the deer are kind of everywhere <laughs> out there is really what it comes down to. I mean, every place, I mean, search for sure. There were some places we put a camera that were better than others that saw more activity than others, but we never put a camera up anywhere that didn't have something on it that didn't have at least deer passing through to some extent. And it really came down to man. If, if we build it, they're going to come they're going to show up out there, you know, at least the way that this is laid out. Now we don't have, we have some patches of hardwoods on the property and it's kind of cool because the property, it has a lot of varying terrain. Now nothing mountainous or anything crazy like that, but it has hills and draws and and stuff that runs through it. Some seasonal creeks and that kind of thing. And we found that there's, there's really kind of three main hills on the property that have a pretty thick, dense, uh, lay out of hardwoods on them and man the deer just funnel in and out of that uh, throughout throughout the mornings and evenings and stuff is what we've learned and my dad had a really good setup last year where he was at where he could see a couple of those hills he could see a lot of area from his rifle stand so he was able to just watch a lot of deer and kind of see the way that they traveled and everything which really helps us for some strategy this next year um, but all as to say, we've we are leaving those hills alone. Like we're not we're not bailing off in there. We I mean we we really have never bailed off into those hardwoods or anything crazy like that. We've we've tiptoed into them a little ways, but we've we've never committed to going all the way deep. And it's just that I mean those are sanctuaries, and we're we're leaving them as such. That's where the deer live, where the deer bed, and where they go to and come from you know in the in the mornings and evenings and and such so we're 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 putting a couple stands on kind of the the outskirts you know my my dad wanted to move his stand this year so he he transitioned into from more of an open area um to actually kind of hunting one of those perimeter lines around one of those big hills and and one of those transitional points right there um I put, I'm, I'm keeping my, the same stand that everybody saw me hunting last year, my, my bow blind down there. It's, it's a good spot. I'm, I'm keeping it as it is. Um, I added about probably 300 yards to the east of that location. I added a ladder stand on a food source over there for kind of a more early season bow sit. And then the other, so far we've put out, uh, two other new setups aside from that ladder stand. One of them was a location I'd scouted out around November last year. And I determined I wanted to put a set there for 2022. Um, we're trying to figure out the best way to hunt it, but my dad and I think what we're going to end up doing is we got the feet. It's a clearing, pretty heavy mesquites around it, but it was a, it's just one of those areas that the deer seem to pass through quite frequently. And it was reasonably accessible for us from, uh, one of the roads to the point where, you know, you don't have to, it's not a crazy walk in there to, to get to your stand the early morning and whatnot. Um, so I ended up putting a, putting a feeder there. It's closer to one end of the, of the clearing than another. And I think what we're going to do is we're actually going to put two stands on it. Um, cause Nick and I bow hunt, both of our dads only rifle hunt. So we want to give them some flexibility and some options. So that not all, not all of our stands are rifle only or bow only. We want some some options on our location. So we ended up putting this feeder about uh, 20 yards, 
20 yards from the edge of this clearing on one side and about 80 yards from the edge on the opposite side. And the idea is the those sides are a north-south setup. So we're gonna put a stand on the north side, put a stand on the south side. The north side will be a, be a rifle stand 80 yards off that feeder. And the south side will be a bow blind 20 yards-ish off that feeder. Um, obviously can't hunt them both at the same time, but it gives us the, the option to where, hey, if, if my dad wants to go hunt it, he can go sit it one morning. If I want to hunt it, I'll just hunt the other side of the location. We're still hunting the same food source, just from different sides. So we put a we put two different setups up that have that same mentality of hey, we're going to put a bow stand and a rifle stand on these on these locations, and uh, that way we can have the flexibility. The other thing that we're trying to do too is, you know, these deer they don't they don't like to hang out in the in the open very much so we we need to give them some sense of security so whenever we're putting our feeders up um, like this clearing i'm talking about for example i set my feeder and you guys will get to see us actually set these feeders in uh, the first episode of season two but i set this feeder up in this clearing but it's next to this little kind of line of trees thin line of trees that kind of jut out in there and it's just on the outside of that so it gives them a sense of security being able to come out there they don't feel like they're out there in the open they still have some cover um, and I think that was the big thing that we learned off of my dad's stand last year is his was pretty far out there and we learned that the deer the deer need a little bit more cover a little bit closer to their food source so we're still running feeders this first year um, I didn't really want to year two definitely year three i wanted to start incorporating food plots into it but man the the drought that we have right now kind of dictated that for me this year it's it if we tried to plant anything right now we wouldn't have any success with it it's it's far too dry we've been fortunate because there's been a lot of wildfires going on uh even pretty reasonably close to to our lease within I think the closest one got probably within 20 miles of it, probably. Um, and we're, I mean, we're talking anywhere from 10,000 to 60,000 acre fires um, over the past few months that have kind of been encroaching on some hunter, hunting properties. Haven't been affected by that yet. I know plenty of, plenty of properties down here in deer leases probably have been. So um, I feel for them, but just trying to make do with what we got you know i know i know even uh nick Powell. you know he missed episode 100 because he deployed on a wildfire and he texted me this morning and he actually this morning he left on another deployment for another one so he's uh he's working that end of it too <laughs> he's he stays busy yeah yeah we all do <laughs> yeah, I yeah i don't think any of us are sitting around not doing anything nope. <laughs> so you talked about your deer hunting strategy. Um, I know you sent me a couple of pictures. Uh, how many pigs do you think you guys have running around now, and how much of a problem are they becoming, and what does your sort of uh, your varmint management strategy look like out there? So problem-wise, becoming more, varmint strategy is kill them. <laughs> that's, about a, that's about as far into my strategy as I've gotten, man. But no, so we, at the end of last year, you know, at last winter as it started, we started having some dry spells last winter and the drier it got out there um the less and less pigs we started to see i mean i i know at one point nick and i were talking about wanting to do some sort of staff hunt you know back in february out at our place and we ended up not scheduling anything because it was like i don't know if we have the the pigs i don't think it'd be worth anybody's while to make the trip man i put we went out june 11th 
um, was the first day that we spent out there putting these new stands up, making sure the feeders were all up and running, putting some vapple out, um, getting all the, the cell cams up and running again. So we're getting pictures now. And it, it wasn't 24 hours, and I had pigs starting to show up. And I, I, just, I told somebody earlier today, it's, I, it's almost every single day at almost all of my stand locations, we have pigs showing up. Sometimes it's just one single solo boar wandering through. Sometimes it's a dozen of them. They're just they've they've kind of come back out of the woodwork. Of course, you start putting food on the ground. Thankfully, it doesn't seem to have affected the deer too much because i'm still getting deer coming in too honestly it's the pigs seem to move more in the evening time right now for me which i'm okay with because i'm only feeding in the mornings and my deer show up in the mornings so right now as it stands the pigs are getting leftovers that could change in transition you know in the blink of an eye but um that's the way i would want it to be you know obviously if if i had a choice but uh, all as to say we our pigs are back right now we we need to do some killing uh you probably need to make a, a trip to Texas. <laughs> get you get you some oh, uh, some, a, a nice lean uh, pork loin in your freezer. Some Texas meat. <laughs> yeah, some more. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it's man. It's it's part of it. We they tear stuff up, and I mean, if you know anything about Texas hogs or Texas hog hunting, you know that it's just you know it kind of they can be varmints and nuisances. Thankfully, I mean, knock on wood, I, I haven't had any uh, any pigs tear up any of my stuff just yet. If anything, last year I had I had cows tear some stuff up a couple times, and even that wasn't as bad as it could have been because there, there are about 20 head of cattle that the landowner runs on the property. Uh, but they seem to keep to one area, especially with it being drier right now. They definitely keep to one area for the most part, which, which helps us. But... The pigs, man, I mean, they, they'll tear up the ground. You can tear, tell where they've been, but they seem to have enough of a range right now that they're, I mean, they're not too focused on one area. And certainly if it was probably wetter outside and, you know, consistently getting rain, I, I imagine we'd see a much, much greater difference in the damage. But, um, yeah, right now it's just kind of trying to, trying to figure out the time to go out there and, and knock some of them down. I know the next... When we went down there on the 11th, we, my dad and I did not stay to hunt pigs and probably honestly wouldn't have been successful because our food, we just got our food sources reestablished at that point. But, um, we next trip probably are going to stay long enough to incorporate at least one hog hunt into it. I know, uh, 4th of July weekend, Nick's dad went down there and he shot a big old pig down there for over the holiday weekend. So man, they're, they're running around like, like crazy right now. It seems like there's, there's no shortage of them for sure. Now, do you guys just have food sources out there too, or are you guys putting in water sources and things like that? So we we're just running food sources right now. Cause there's, there's three down here in Texas, we call them tanks. They're, they're little ponds is what they are. But there, there's three tanks uh, on the property, stock tanks actually, so they have fish in them too. Um, they are not dry. They are low for sure, but they are thankfully not dry right now at this point in the year. Um, and two of them are kind of more focused toward the north end of the property, and then there's one on the south end of the property. Um, the cows kind of like to hang out on the on the north end, and then they actually have a, an actual water trough um, at, closer to the gate itself. So um 
those four water sources basically are seem to be pretty well established year-round for us, thankfully, so we don't have to... Granted, if this drought continues, we might have another concern, but at, so far we haven't had to worry about water or anything like that out here. We've just been running... Uh, Running some corn mixed with a little bit of, little bit of protein, little vapel corn additive. I'm I'm getting a couple vapel mineral sites running uh, as well, and I don't know. I think uh, this year we're gonna start trying some other things. I think year number three is probably gonna be when we actually really dive a little bit more heavy into the protein and trying to actually get some good some good ant antler growth out of our out of our bucks and stuff. So. Now you those water holes you were talking about, uh, or the tanks, I guess you call them. Do you guys have any setups that are focused around those as far as your hunting setups? We haven't so far. Um, so one of them, honestly, pro well, two of them actually, both of the ones on the north side, they're on, uh, we have a power, a big power line and then another pipeline that almost run parallel to each other that run through the property. So there's these huge huge big clear cuts that run east west through the entire property um probably 20 yards off of each other um my dad's stand is kind of off of one of those and we just put a second one uh pretty close off of excuse me off of one of those so um between the tanks are kind of offset off of those so from one of the stand setups we're going to be able to see some activity from one of those tanks we put some cameras on uh on two of them i believe last year um at, at one point throughout the year and most of the activity that we were seeing from pigs and deer was nocturnal um we didn't we were limited on our setups last year and we didn't see enough activity during the daylight throughout the year to really justify actually putting a setup on it um i actually just got a new spy point camera in the mail today so um i'm probably going to be putting a camera back on a tank my next trip out there just to kind of start to to gauge that and see if it's if it's worth hanging a hanging a tree stand or putting a ground blind or something off of one of those edges so yeah especially with that drought yeah i i imagine the drought i'm the activity on the tank has probably changed um since last year given the conditions so but all in all man it's i mean it's progress and i'm i'm excited for season two of texas dirt really because um I don't know. It's just going to be more content opportunities. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting started earlier than we did last year. Um, and that's gonna, that's gonna just allow us to show more of the process because year one, I think it was end of August, beginning of September that we got our stands set out there. So it really only had a month to kind of settle in before bow season started down here. And, uh, this year we have the summer, um, to kind of, document some stuff out there and show some of our strategies and, and try to get some stuff up and going. So, um, I'm excited for, from that aspect. I think it'll, it, it's going to be better for the series too. just folks being able to see us hunt different places because last year, I mean, I mean, you probably know as good as anybody, it was pretty, we were limited to, to one or two locations out there for the most part that the majority of our series was filmed from. So, um, and honestly, I'm pretty surprised how well that little bow, that bow setup I had that I spent most of my time in last year, how well that held up, not just physically, but also just in from pressure wise. Cause I mean, I, I knew as good in it, as good as anybody that I was hunting it, you know, every time I went down there and wearing it out, but yet the deer kept coming in. And I just think that kind of 
I don't know, might have something to do with not having hunting pressure before. And, you know, I, I took every precaution I could getting in and out of there. So, um, and all as to say, our, I think things will be more balanced as far as the areas that we're spending our time in this year. So sounds exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Looking forward to it. I, uh, I don't know. I could ramble about, about that property, uh, all day long. It's, it, it's really fun to, to get to kind of do that. It's, it, it's hard work, especially now. This is one of the hottest summers that we've, we've had on record. So, um, it's, it's not easy by any means this time of year going out there and working, but it's, uh, rewarding in the end. It's what you gotta keep thinking about. So. Now, do you guys have any exotics on the property? Uh, make anything worth trying to hunt in the summer or have you not seen any yet no it, we don't have any exotics on that place um we have i mean we got the pigs obviously that kind of make up the year-round hunting opportunities turkeys were pretty uh pretty sparse during the fall and looking into the spring we were not very hopeful for any kind of turkey hunting opportunity to to the point where i didn't even go out there and turkey hunt this this spring because i just didn't think it'd be worth it we we had nothing as far as turkeys go coming through nick's dad went out there two weekends during turkey season the first weekend he said i only saw one one or two hens and that kind of in my mind reaffirmed as like yeah i'm i'm probably not gonna go out there if he spent a whole weekend out there and only never heard a gobble and only saw two hens but then the second weekend he went out there he took his daughter with him and actually got her on a on a gobbler and and she put one down so i i don't know i think i think if it was not as dry i think if we had more water um our it would probably help our turkey population out there so um, but other than that man it's it's deer turkey and and pigs and then uh you know we got those those stock ponds thankfully so um some people might look at it as fishing in a barrel but you know it's uh to me it, you know we we want to get the family out there we want to see our kids grow up on this place and you know it's going to be a perfect opportunity to teach them how to how to hunt how to fish you know and you know yeah my my wife can go out there and fish for an hour and probably catch 10 or 11 fish but for a kid you know going out there and throwing a line in and catching one pretty quick it can kind of help you know spark that interest so but i don't know man sounds sounds like we got uh exciting things on on both and both ends of the country going on this yeah. year so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what you got up there and uh, like you said i know you're laying down some good footage so hoping that uh more content for our pages showing a different area of of uh our hunting world that uh that we're involved in so yeah you know, hopefully we can get Andy out a couple times too. Everybody likes to see Andy on camera. Man, so I, I record a podcast before this one actually with one of our staffers, and they made a comment. You know, they were on the uh, Heather Sellin. She was on the the snow goose hunt, you know, in Missouri with Andy uh, this past spring, and you know, she made a comment about how any hunting camp we have, even if he doesn't have a tag, we got to bring Andy just so that, you know, he can hang out and have a good time. And man, I'm, I'm super stoked right now because Andy is in Texas right now and I'm actually going to, to hang out and have dinner with him tonight. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty oh, excited, awesome. pretty excited to go hang out with him tonight and spend some time with him. But cause I don't, I don't think I've seen him honestly since, uh, since the staff hunt in 2019. I think that was the last time I saw him. Okay. So, but yeah it's uh it's cool to 
cool to have all these different people involved in fall obsession and just i i know we've said it before but you know covering all these different areas with with blue collar outdoorsmen who actually are experienced uh in in this type of hunting specific to their region you know is is pretty neat i know you you do a lot of content up there in minnesota us down here in texas i know uh one of our staffers michael up in michigan and he kind of hunts northern indiana he's been putting out some pretty some pretty good management uh related content on our on our website and social media pages been sending some stuff in so he's pretty involved in it and uh tim burge is out in colorado a whole nother brand and style of whitetail and mule deer hunting out there with his family farm he's been uh doing some farm work and and stuff out there with food plots and everything so I don't know, man. It's just, in, it intrigues me, you know, just with the, the different mindsets everywhere you go. So. Yeah. I think it's been really interesting having all of those people join the group and, you know, even seeing their hunting styles and the way that they sort of approach the content that they're creating has changed as they have joined the group and sort of had feedback and the way that everybody sort of meshed together. Uh, I, I really enjoy seeing some of the content that's being created now. So yeah it it's it's really cool um definitely has uh has gotten gotten a lot better for all of us including myself you know over over the years and certainly the past year even even that short time frame i feel like so excited to see where it goes excited for new opportunities and uh you know we've said it before we'll just keep plugging away at this thing But another another new opportunity and kind of moving on from some of the management stuff and everything. But uh, we're we're actually going to kind of expand our our get I guess you'd call it like our guest network, um, so to speak, at Fall Obsession or our our recording abilities slash opportunities. Because um, you know, for a hundred and ten plus episodes, for the most part, with the exception of of one or two here and there, I've I've done the hosting and, you know, most of the coordinating and recording, but, uh, we're actually, you and I are about to be kind of sharing some co-host roles here on our podcast and, uh, bringing a little bit more variety to it. So you, uh, yeah, you got a setup up there. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, so one thing you and I have talked about and it's something I guess now we can finally share with everybody else is we've kind of thrown around the idea of having a second, um, second version of the same podcast right so same idea same concept same everything except for we're going to focus on trying to talk to people from the northern region i talk to people from minnesota talk to people from wisconsin from iowa and try and basically brand it as a fall obsession north podcast that will be sort of interchangeable with our regular podcast and so every now and then our listeners will be treated to of a different take on the fall obsession podcast that'll be hosted by me and we'll be talking to somebody from that northern region um i'm I'm pretty excited about it i think it's a great opportunity to get some people in interviewed in person i think these podcasts that we do via you know facetime or skype or whatever platform we happen to use it for that individual episode they're good but i think that face-to-face interaction is just so much better and being able to do some of these interviews in person and sit down with people really just get that conversation going, I think is going to be an awesome advantage. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, you know, there's a handful of people I can think of just off the top of my head that I know I'm going to be contacting to get on some early episodes. So, yeah. 
man yeah it's i'm i'm excited for it because you know i mean you're spot on the the in-person podcast i've said it before on here they're by far my favorite ones to record because when you're actually sitting in the same room at the same table with somebody it's just the conversation is so much more genuine i feel like not that these aren't but um it just flows better it, it feels better it feels right you know and you know, early on when we started bringing a lot of guests on, we record over the phone, and those were great. Um, and then we started doing the the podcast videos and recording virtually, so that I can actually see your face, like right now. So if you're listening to the audio again, guys, this is one of the ones that's got a podcast video that'll be on our YouTube channel, so you can actually watch Drew and I talk to each other. I guess is the right way to say that, but. Um, you know, even just being able to see each other's facial expressions and reactions and stuff in the video helps with the flow of everything. But you're right, the the sitting down, you know, one on one or in a group with somebody is is by far the the best way to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, down here, the only opportunities we've had to do that have been with local folks in in texas so we've had plenty of in-person podcasts with some awesome guests down here we'll continue to do that but having you know kind of not splitting but having you joining as as a as a host on boots on the ground up there in the north is definitely gonna increase opportunities and subject matter um greatly in my opinion I'm, i'm looking forward to it so yeah. And I guess the other thing too is, you know, with, we've mentioned it, but with our, our, our move to Waypoint mm-hmm. TV, uh, you know, our opportunities for interviewing some, some additional sportsmen in our industry, but even more so some pretty high caliber people in general, that the opportunity is there for us to have some pretty interesting conversations moving forward and having that flexibility to be able to do it either for the Southern region or Northern region. And, you know, hopefully this is something that in the future, maybe we get another region set up and, you know, whether it's Western or whether it's Eastern region and, you know, try and build it as something that we're really hosting kind of all over the country would be an awesome thing. Yeah. I I would love to see that for sure. And, um, you know, for, for our listeners again you know so so you guys kind of see how all this works the i mean hosting a podcast and stuff from behind the scenes is it, it's challenging um you know especially when you try to roll one out weekly like we do you know you gotta you gotta work with the schedule and always make sure you got a guest and everything every week and you know try to try to coordinate all that which sometimes is easier than others you know sometimes like today i'm i'm sitting down actually recording several episodes in one day you know just and you know those will be rolled out over the course of several weeks and um you know other times it's like you're scrambling to try and find an episode and you know this this obviously will will help us even more with with remaining consistent in that monday morning publication but you know the networks like uh, waypoint tv which if you guys don't have that it's a app you can download on your phones it's a, a hunting and outdoor streaming service basically for for shows educational series and then the podcast is what we're involved in and there's kind of a behind the scenes network if you will for for you know shows to start coordinate with each other and like drew spoke about you know bring some other sportsmen on our show and we're looking forward to that and man I, yeah i could ramble about this forever too man it's just it's it's exciting you know to to kind of see this expansion and everything and um 
in in short, guys, what's what's gonna happen kind of from this point moving forward? Your your hosts are either gonna be me or Drew. You know, some weeks you'll tune in, and I'll be down here in Texas hosting, either with our uh, kind of our in person group that we have down here, or with a guest. And the next week it could be Drew hosting the episode up north. You know, so you're we're gonna we'll kind of mix it together. You know, keep it fresh, keep it uh keep it moving forward, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna be awesome. So, yeah, I'm really excited moving forward, you know, and if it's something that builds traction and we get enough, maybe at some point, it's something that we discuss building on further. And I'm, I'm really excited just to have the opportunity to, to interview people, you know, face to face like we've talked about already, but just to get out and talk to a bunch of people that I know personally I've hunted with, get out and just interview a lot of those people who have really interesting stories to tell. Um, some people probably I've already heard of them and you know just it'll be interesting to have them on the podcast yeah we've talked about for a while now yeah we've uh I would say this is this is a transition it's it's something new it's an addition to our podcast but um man this this is a journey is what this is and 110 episodes is a pretty good foundation <laughs> to to start building upon so and and I say that to just kind of put it in perspective in that man we we could be just getting started here you know yeah we've been doing this for a couple of years and we got over 100 episodes online which I consider a big accomplishment but we're just getting started this is we're we're about to have some really good stuff coming our way coming your way for our listeners so yeah. And, you know, we throw this out there all the time, but uh, we're, we really are serious about it. If there's anybody that you know that has an interesting hunting story, you know, somebody who got drawn for a once in a lifetime tag, somebody who just has some incredible story that you think other people need to hear about, send us an email, send Sam an email, send me an email, get a hold of us on Facebook, whatever platform you choose. Uh, it'd be awesome to have more, I don't want to call them normal people, but just everyday hunters out there doing what they're doing and being able to tell their story because you know sometimes it's it's somebody who will never ever tell that story who gets drawn for some of these once in a lifetime hunts and being able to give them a platform to share that experience with other people is i mean that's when some really interesting things happen and some really great podcasts happen here man that that's what i love so much about this thing because we say it all the time how we're blue collar outdoorsmen just like everybody else we truly mean that because, I mean, that 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 is exactly what we are. But that's what we're trying to bring to this podcast. You know, I've talked before about wanting to have the, the camp feel, you know, the campfire talk feel, you know, just casual laid-back conversations with folks. Mm-hmm. But then Drew's spot on, just the stories you hear, and, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, it's great if we can bring a bigger name, somebody that, you know, is – is more known to the hunting industry on here and we've done that before but some of the greatest stories are in your backyard man they truly are um we had like just down here a good personal friend of mine kelly cato we had him on our podcast for 61 62 he had a once in a lifetime texas bighorn ram hunt down here and we had him on our podcast to tell that story a story that is absolutely incredible in my opinion and he's never other than just his own don't the people that he knows he's never shared that before really with anybody not not for lack of trying but just it's never been on a platform like this you know kind of 
thinking of some others and everything, we've uh, Lee Duet or Dewey. <laughs> I always mess up his his name, but I guess we had on the other week. Uh, you know, just a, a good old Mississippi boy. That's all he is, you know. But he had he had some awesome hunting experiences, some awesome awesome stories to tell. Um, Derek and Lacey are Ridge Rock family. You know, they're down to earth people. They have some awesome experiences that uh, that they've been able to to share with us. It's just man, it it it, it goes on and on these these experiences that nobody would hear about otherwise. That's what I love about this podcast. So, well, man, it's exciting stuff. I look forward to seeing. Uh, where it's going and uh, yeah keep plugging away cool. yeah I haven't mentioned it yet but your new setup looks nice like your new trophy setup behind you the new house yeah yeah we're we're in the new house I, I've recorded a few episodes here we had a couple weeks where uh, I actually I either wasn't here with the setup or um, we had when we recorded with Lee we had some technical difficulties on the podcast video so we missed a we missed two weeks of podcast videos, but we've been back on it now. Um, but yeah, the the new setup here, I'm you know kind of been been piecing it together. You know, I, I did one with Nick the other day, and I started talking about a, a hunt that I had, and then I realized that I'm talking about this buck right here, <laughs> that's right behind me. You know, so it's it's just kind of cool to have your stuff hanging behind you, and uh, you know some yeah. archery stuff over here. So yeah, it's 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 a good little. Good little in-home setup. Yeah. You got some decent, some decent bucks behind you as well. So, yeah, I finally got my my deer back from Texas too. After <laughs> two or three years. There you go. <laughs> yeah, if you guys, so those are those are. So if you guys aren't uh, aren't watching the podcast videos, definitely definitely go check them out on our YouTube channel. We we post them the same week as uh, as whatever episode we publish that week. So uh, be sure that you go check those out too, because. Um, you know, yeah, it's a podcast, but we, we start to incorporate some visual elements and I mean, Drew and I were talking about the deer behind us. And like I mentioned the other day, Nick and I, I was telling a story and could actually point at the rack <laughs> hanging on the wall behind me to, to kind of give you guys an illustration. So podcast videos are on our YouTube channel. Go check them out. So, well, man, been good kind of catching up, talking a little podcast, talking yeah. a little bit of management strategy and, uh, I don't know. Next week might uh might be me again on here with uh, one of the Selens, but uh, after that, who knows? You'll be you'll be popping in here a little more frequently. So. Yep, yep. And any of our viewers in the northern region, like we mentioned, give me a shout if you want to be on the podcast. Yeah. So on that note, and to kind of take us to closing, guys, if you guys go to our website, which is fallobsession.com, if you go to our podcast page, fallobsession.com/podcast. You not only can listen to all of our podcast episodes or watch our podcast videos on that page, but there's also uh, like a feedback discussion form on there that you guys can send in. So if you have a guest suggestion, a topic suggestion, or anything like that, um, just shoot us a quick message from that webpage or like Drew mentioned through any of our social media messengers or whatnot. Um, and we'll, we'll get that and start coordinating with you and maybe try to figure out how to actually make that happen. Again, it doesn't have to be a suggestion as, Hey, have this big name outdoor channel guy on your podcast. It can be just some backwoods down to earth guy that, you know, in your community that had an incredible hunt. That's the kind of people that we want on this show. So if you know somebody like Drew said, reach out, uh, fallobsession.com. Like I mentioned, that's the website. That's where you guys can go to find, 
uh, all of our content. We've covered literally hundreds of different topics in the hunting industry, and we've built a custom website platform to share all that with you guys. So go over there, explore around, see, see what you can find. We have educational articles, gear reviews, our video and different forms of media series are on there. Wild game recipes. I mean, we got, we got so much stuff on there. Our apparel is on there. If you guys want to support the fall obsession brand, you can go pick you up a hat or a t-shirt. We also uh, are doing a $10 deal of the week, basically picking a different uh, hat or t-shirt every week and marking it down to $10. I'm trying to give you guys an opportunity with the rising costs in today's world to get some quality hunting gear and apparel in your hands and on your head. So um, go check that out. It changes every week, so pick you up something. Uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on major social media platforms. Go follow and like. Uh, all that good stuff we post daily. We're also on Go Wild app, which is a censorship-free app for hunters and outdoorsmen. If you haven't created a profile on there and started posting, I definitely recommend that you do. Um, it's a pretty cool network of hunters on there, and they they put some thought into it, how they set it up and everything. And they also got an awesome reward system so that you, you build points and gain rewards the more that you post. It's it's pretty, pretty neat how it's set up. So head on over and check out Go Wild. Like Drew mentioned, we're on Waypoint TV, that app. You can also pull it up in a web, web browser on your computer if that's your preferred way to watch or listen. Um, so go check out Waypoint. Um, and Ridge Rock Hunt Company is our podcast partner. Um, Derek and Lacey over there in Mississippi, they run Ridge Rock. They are down-to-earth, blue-collar folk, and uh, gotten to know them pretty well personally these past couple years. And uh, they're good people. They book hunts is what they do. Um, Derek's basically coordinates with a bunch of different outfitters across North America to set up hunters with a vetted and trusted outfitter. He guarantees a good experience. So if you're looking for your next hunting trip, hit Derek up um, and he'll find something that works for you in your budget and uh, get you set up. So Ridge Rock Hunt Company, check them out on social media and their website. And if you want to promote your brand or your pro shop or whatever it might be on our podcast, uh, send us an email, contact us through our webpage, and Drew and I will get with you and start coordinating from there and find a way that uh, we can give you guys a shout-out on here. So, Drew, you got anything else, buddy? Man, it's always great to talk to you, connect again, talk about Fall Obsession and all the awesome things you've got going. Can't wait to do it again. Absolutely. Maybe I'll be a guest on the Fall Obsession North podcast one day. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We're back again next Monday morning for another episode. We will catch you then.